believe every person has a right to basic knowledge of how to optimize their mind, body, and spirit. Here, I bring to you influential individuals and ideas to help you live a more healthy, fulfilling life. I'm Julie Fouché, and I'd like to welcome you to Pursuing Health. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. This is episode number 29. With the CrossFit Games regional season coming to a close and the 2016 CrossFit Games quickly approaching, I'm very excited to share this episode with you in which I sit down with CrossFit Games director and co-director of training, Dave Castro. A little bit of background about Dave before we get started. He enlisted in the Navy shortly after graduating from high school, and he served as a SEAL from 1998 through 2010. During his years of service, he discovered CrossFit in 2005, and it wasn't long after that that he began working for CrossFit headquarters in Santa Cruz in 2006. He hosted the very first CrossFit Games competition at his family's ranch in Aromas, California in 2007, and since that time, the CrossFit Games competition has grown exponentially into a professional sport under Dave's direction. This year marks the 10th season of competition in CrossFit Games history. I sat down with Dave during the first of three regional competition weekends this year at the California Regional in Del Mar, California. We discuss his approach to programming and directing the games, some of the lessons he learned as a SEAL and how he continues to apply them in his work today, his daily routine, as well as what drives him to chase virtuosity in all he does. Before we get started, I have a few quick reminders. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a five-star rating. Please also head to my website, juliefouché.com, where you can enter your email to stay in the loop with the podcast and everything else I'm doing with my bi-weekly newsletter. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com, and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. If you're interested in training with me, check out my program through Beyond the Whiteboard, This is the actual training I do now, five days per week, an hour per day, scheduled out for you minute by minute from warm-up to cool down. Through the end of June, we're offering a free two-week trial of the programming, so it's a great time to check it out. For more info or to try the program out yourself, visit beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché. So with that, let's get started here with episode number 29 of Pursuing Health, featuring the one and only Dave Castro. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm really excited to be here with Dave Castro today, and I am very appreciative that you're taking the time to do this because we're in the middle of regional season, and right now we're actually at the California Regional. Correct. Um, And I do want to talk more about competition um, a little bit later on, but so far, how do you think the first weekend of regionals is going? Well, first, let me say thanks for uh, having me on the show. Oh, I, uh, thank you. You're actually the first podcast I've done. Wow. I, what an honor. I say no to all of them. I've, <laughs> I've been asked to be on most of them and okay. uh, most of the ones within the community. And traditionally for the past you know, years, I've been involved mm-hmm. in CrossFit. I just say no. It's something I've not been interested in doing. You know, I, we do our media with CrossFit, mm-hmm. and uh, I just stay to that. But then recently, um, Blair Morrison actually asked me to be on his show. Mm-hmm. And I said yes because he's a good friend of mine. I like him. And then <laughs> you asked me to be on your show, 
And I said, yes, I'll say yes to you because you're uh, a good friend of mine. Well, thank you. I and, appreciate uh, it. And if you're not a good friend of mine, I s- probably won't be on your show. <laughs> so okay. if, you want, if you want me to appear on your show, you have to be a friend. The first week of regionals, you know, um, I think they're going well. I think the workouts are playing out um, to, to how I imagine them. But uh, there's some little tweaks mm-hmm. that we've made off of watching some of them go down. And you'll notice in the first week of uh, – you, d- you won't notice, but people will notice in the mm-hmm. first week of competition, I'm watching every event and I pay close attention to the layout and there might be minor adjustments we need to make, not in the actual event in terms of reps, mm-hmm. but in layout to increase the safety okay. for competitors re- relative to each other or for the judges and their position. One workout, the, the team snatch event mm-hmm. has a lot of moving parts, has mm-hmm. a lot of people on the floor and has a lot of weight being thrown around. And so there's there's opportunities to increase the, the the safety of it and just make sure judges are not next to someone snatching. You know, the first vision, the in original intent or the original vision for that workout, mm-hmm. my original vision was uh, every every lane basically you snatch and you advance forward and it'd make for a great race and mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be a much better visual. But with t- lanes of ten and ten teams, you can't do that because there's just two side too by many, side yeah. with the with the bars if at like an invitational that would be epic where you just snatch advance snatch advance snatch, and it would play out really well where you have five teams or, or something like that right and i was stubborn and in planning i was going over with the team and the team's like hey we probably shouldn't do that it's gonna be really tight and mm-hmm. i'm like no these guys are good it'll be fine and <laughs> so sometimes you know you have to listen to your team and, and i'm really glad on this one that i listened to the team they okay. uh they they you know it didn't take much convincing once but once they brought it up i was like okay you guys are right we'll uh right We'll condense this to where you're all snatching in one spot and staggered, and that's just some of the that's some of the back end stuff that happens when you plan these workouts. And then that you know when we're here, we're looking at that and mm-hmm. seeing if it's playing out as planned. You know, and another thing is you asked me about the first week of competition. I that stuff is more important and what I'm looking at mm-hmm. rather than the actual competition. Okay. So I do care about who goes. I do care about some of these people as some of them are my friends. Mm-hmm. Some of them I'm interested in knowing how they do. Uh, that, that part of it is a secondary part to making sure that, you know, this is the, this is the shakeout week. This is the actual um, proof of concept, if you will. Mm-hmm. And this proves that everything we put on paper and wrote out actually can work and actually is a good test and actually uh, displays well to the world. And I think we're seeing that. I'm really happy with this team final. That played out really well. And uh, the, the last one in here was dramatic and uh, exciting. So Always makes it exciting to yep, watch. Yep, yep. Um, w- in terms of planning, I've seen you. Sometimes you post pictures of, like, little models that you yep. use. Can you talk to us about, obviously, you can't go through it with this many people, but what are some of the ways that you plan and prepare for how everything's going to play out? Well, I'm very visual, and I need to so, – so those uh, – you know, I remember a few years ago at the Games – Tony and I, Tony Budding, were, uh, were planning an event and we were using, uh, we were at a restaurant mm-hmm. and we were using bread, uh, <laughs> bread dough, I mean, br- oh, not okay. bread dough, but bread uh, muffins, buns. <laughs> and uh, we were moving them around the table and uh, Susanna, Susanna D, who helps with a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. with the visuals, she was there and she got the idea, I need to make you guys models. So she made us complete models. I whiteboard yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. I pencil and paper a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I um, use the models. I use real life models, you know, real spacing, real, in my garage, I have um, lane markers laid Mm -hmm. out so I can Mm -hmm. space everything out. So I use a ton of different approaches to get to the same place, always writing stuff down, always scribbling notes. Mm -hmm. When I fly, I have a notepad. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have a lot of different 
places where I put stuff together, and then I try to just bring it all together and, and lay it out and come uh, get it somewhere I'm happy with. Okay. Very interesting to know how it all <laughs> how it all goes down. Yeah. And get, try and to get inside your head a little bit. It's a lot of uh, you know. It's year round. I'm year round. I'm thinking of concepts. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of big picture things. I'm thinking of something I want to do as a statement or something I want to do as a as a moment, like a figure piece. Mm-hmm. And then I'll try to build around those. And um, I'll have ideas at the the strangest of moments. I'll have ideas, uh, you know. Um, anywhere Mm -hmm. and then I just have to either write it down or I'll email myself or I'll take it back and then I'll have sessions so I have ideas and I have sessions where I sit down lock myself in a room usually play music and I just start going and it's in those sessions it's weird that sometimes something will click and I'll go that's it bingo I love it Mm -hmm. and then there's other times where I'm just stuck and it takes a really long time and there's there's times when I get I feel the pressure of like hey we have a deadline everything's coming up you need this to be done Mm -hmm. and so I'll start feeling the pressure of getting stuff done I start going into my sessions more and there's times when I'm not getting anything done and I'm just like ah this is so difficult this is so hard it's like writer's block (laughs) yeah totally and then there's one moment where everything clicks Mm -hmm. and I'm talking about for a movement or I'm not movement for a workout or an event I'll call it something will click and it's just so perfect and it's right there and I'm like that's it yeah that's it uh one of the moments I remember for this year's programming was the um the um the snatch event Mm -hmm. and you know I was I didn't I wanted to do something different but I didn't want to do something too crazy Mm -hmm. and uh I didn't want to do another speed snatch ladder like Mm -hmm. we've done in the past and then I thought of um 16.2 16.2 and how we had the cutoffs right and I like I was uh, thinking I should do the same thing in that event and every two minutes you have a cutoff oh. and I love the way that played out because in the re- I was in Texas when that was going down watching that region basically what you have is you have 10 athletes start and if you're not keeping up you're getting thinned out mm-hmm. and so by the final two uh, four to two minutes four to five uh, actually two to five minutes of the event you have just a few athletes just the best ath- athletes on the floor mm-hmm. and you your focus is on them so it's really cool how visually that event's playing out yeah that was one that i was really interested in the progression and how we've seen over the years like first we had the clean speed ladder then yep. we had the snatch and then this event which is very different but it's interesting to see sort of the progression and how you develop that over time and it's hard to uh you know, there's a point too where how much new stuff are you going to come up with, or are we going to come up with? How right. how how are we going to reinvent? And I'm not. I don't feel pressure to do that. And yeah. I think that's why we're able to do it. I never sit there programming the games or the regionals or even the open, thinking I have to do something new and I have to throw in a twist. Mm-hmm. Although that stuff happens, mm-hmm. and so um, it's a nice balance. I don't want people to think I'm I'm sitting back here thinking I just need to 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 create new things all the time. I'm just finding stuff that's traditional and, and giving it a little different twist sometimes mm-hmm. on, on its application. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not a big fan of uh, what I call loud programming. I'm not a fan of s- just really um, stuff that's over-programmed, over-described, over-loaded. Uh, mm-hmm. I like stuff simple. Mm-hmm. And that being said, you will see, like, we have to do a chipper. We will do some um, stuff that that's more complicated but sure. i but i prefer the clean workouts and the, the simple workouts way more than i prefer right. the simple uh, but effective yeah exactly just <laughs> like the programming true. and you recently we saw a video behind the open with yep. dave castro which i loved Thanks. um and you talk in that a little bit about your creative process and how you use different inspiration from yep. like art or music or different things could you take us through maybe like an example, I don't know if you have an example of like one workout and how it started and how it evolved or 
what type of feedback to get to the point where it was maybe at this regional or at the open you know um let's take the uh the invitational okay so that that thruster rope climb workout when i saw that go down there and this is less related to some of the things you're asking about for inspiration but mm -hmm. it's more it's related to how i got here mm -hmm. i decided that workout was really good at the invitational mm -hmm. i uh i was really happy with how it went and it's a good individual test and um i decided then while I was watching it mm -hmm. in Madrid, that's going to be the f one of the workouts. That's going to be the final at the um, at this regional, Regionals. and then so at the regional. So then I basically wrote that down mm -hmm. and started working backwards or around mm -hmm. that. That was kind of an anchor okay. for the regions. Nate was also actually a uh, I'll, I'll call an anchor workout okay. for the regionals in that um, it was one that I decided early on was going to be there. Another Hero Friday thing. Mm -hmm. Then it was a matter of I don't want to say making it judgeable, mm -hmm. but making it um, something that we could put in application at these events. So right. we we wanted to use the kettlebell swing. I wanted to use the kettlebell swing mm -hmm. again, but as we were trying to figure out how right. to judge it's it. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. The muscle up, admittedly, is a very hard one. Sure. But you know what? We had to go there. We had to try. And uh, that's one of the things in this. I don't think you can be too afraid to try new things mm -hmm. or to take risks. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we take risks and it bites us in the ass. Other times um, we, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the risks we take. And mm -hmm. it's a good thing. If you don't take risks in life, you're not going right. to get far. Right. And usually I think it's true. The people who are supposed to move on end up moving on because they adapt to those new challenges yep the year of the winter olympics the uh <laughs> the the biathlon i was watching the oh, biathlon right. yeah. and i was like oh that's a great event that's really cool i'm like i need to do something like that and that was the year at the crossfit games where we did the muscle up biathlon yeah, yeah, yeah. and so that's how that that's how that inspired me to do that mm -hmm. the uh a couple of years ago i got into formula one and watching that and then the uh the speed uh sled at the games right. was inspired by uh my interest in formula one and just looking into that mm -hmm. world a little i told bill to make me something like a formula one race car a little <laughs> very sleek uh, it did not happy. feel very sleek no, it was it was heavy <laughs> so but it still was a great event right. and um you know the the stuff the way that that art or books or movies or music inspire me mm -hmm. isn't as as straightforward as those things right those examples are really straightforward but I think I do a lot of those other things, read, go to plays, um, movies and all that, mm -hmm. music, just to keep me um, creative creative and, and, and outside of my comfort zone, outside mm -hmm. of my box. Mm -hmm. And so it, uh, it helps just keep me, keep me going. I, I'm doing this new thing this year where I read. I try to read every morning first thing when I wake up okay. just to kind of warm up. And it's like part of my routine. Mm -hmm. I'll wake up, grab my book, read, and then start going to work. I have a routine throughout mm -hmm. the day, but that's a new addition to it. Can you tell us your routine? That was going to be one of my <laughs> later questions because <laughs> I'm very curious. Maybe like a typical day when you're at home, what you, how it would go. I'll get up. I'll, uh, I'll read now. And then mm -hmm. I go straight to my computer and start doing emails. I'll say uh, good morning and hello to my family. Spend, okay. spend a little time with them. Important details. Important details. And then I'll go straight to work. And, and uh, I work from probably 6, 6, um, 6, 6.30 to usually around 9 30 10 okay and just put in you know an wow. epic session answering the previous day's emails mm -hmm. or stuff i need to do um working on the seminars scheduling staffing doing all of that mm -hmm. then i'll take a hour break and a couple hour break 
usually go work out at that time. Mm -hmm. In the pat, when I was doing all my drop-ins, the drop-ins, that really like um, <laughs> messed up my life. <laughs> and here's why it messed up it's my life. a big life. time commitment. Because it was a huge time commitment. <laughs> and so I decided I wanted to hit all the gyms in San Diego County after the games. Right. And I, uh, in the beginning, it was easy because there's like, 30 gyms in North County mm -hmm. and I was I was able to drive 10 minutes 5 minutes 15 minutes hit a gym come home mm -hmm. by the end I was hitting all the gyms south and down here and it would be it would be an hour drive to get to a gym mm -hmm. an hour to work out an hour drive back and I really so it was a three-hour commitment <laughs> yeah. just to do this and I really wanted to do it finish it by the open mm -hmm. before the open started that was my goal and so eventually I got to this point where I said, I'm going to go ahead and uh, double up. Okay. And I started <laughs> doubling up and I'd drive down, do a workout, stay in the area, yeah. drive to another box, do a workout and come back. So that saved me in my head. Extra I was like, drive. that's two hours of driving the next day if I can double up. Sure. And so um, that's how I think to make things more efficient. Right. Do work come or uh, break away, go do work, or I'm sorry, go work out. And usually you work back. out at your garage? Well, no, yeah. Now? Now. <laughs> now that you're done with all the gyms. Yeah, but before, that, I mean, that gym thing was a... Uh, it was almost a year. A, it wasn't a year, but it was about a five or six month okay. commitment of... Uh, and it was, it got, you know, I travel a lot. So when I travel, I'd, I'd essentially lose days. Right. Lose days that were opportunities to go to a gym. So, um, but it was good. I'm really glad I did that. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I, and what's funny, during that, there was one point when I couldn't go to a gym, but I really wanted to work out. So I just worked out my in my garage mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god I love working out in my garage <laughs> I re-fell in love with working out in my garage <laughs> and good. currently I'm mixing it up I'm swimming okay I'm running and I'm biking still doing CrossFit okay but I'm adding all adding those, those things in just to like stay fresh and what's interesting about running for me and even workout mm -hmm. doing CrossFit I think a lot and mm -hmm. it helps me program actually mm -hmm. doing I'll usually program for myself a workout mm -hmm. that I'm going to do a couple minutes before doing it in the garage. Mm -hmm. And so I'll warm up and then I'll think of things I want to do. And sometimes I think of creative or think of couplets and things that I'd like to do for the athletes. Mm -hmm. And I pair them together and test them out on myself. Obviously, much lighter weight, play with the reps. Mm -hmm. at, at the stage of just pairing combos, I usually don't worry too much about the reps that I'd apply to the games athletes. Right. So I'll think about that in programming, create my workout and then do it. And once you do a workout, you can't really think about anything. But when I run, mm -hmm. I just think a lot. And running's a good time, probably because I'm not running really fast. But uh, I just think and uh, think about everything. Sure. And it's so, good you know, you see in that video, I talk a lot about um, I'll rehearse my announcements and yeah. on the, the while I run. And uh, even when I'm running before the Opens, I'll think about ways to, to announce them and just how to do them. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking about a lot of games-related things. Running's mm -hmm. a good um It's almost like a meditation. Me. Yeah, yeah, or like for a... Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to go. We've been talking a lot about games and programming and what you do now. I want to go back a little bit <laughs> further. Yeah. So most people know that your background is um, from the Navy and yep. being a SEAL. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about what drew you to that as a career in the first place. Because obviously doing that kind of work, you have to have a really strong calling or a sense yeah. that that's what you're you know your intention is well there's a couple things and thank you I appreciate that because um, I feel like um, now more than ever a lot of people know that I did that but mm -hmm. in the very beginning when I first this is kind of a sideways uh, way to get to your question mm -hmm. when I first got involved in CrossFit I was still active duty 
And it was very important to me to keep that separate mm-hmm. from my CrossFit life. Okay. I didn't want to become known in CrossFit or anything in CrossFit because I was uh, a SEAL at the time right. for professional reasons and per- personal reasons. Mm-hmm. And so I told Tony, who was director of media at the time, I told Greg, I told everyone that I was involved, hey, don't put that out. Mm-hmm. Don't you know ask me questions about it on, on uh, media or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I was very happy that we kept that out of it. And even recently, within the past year or two, people still come up to me and go, I just found out you were in the Navy, Mm -hmm. you were a SEAL, that's really cool, thanks for your service. Mm -hmm. And that makes me proud that I was able to to grow in CrossFit and become uh, who I am in CrossFit without being attached to that. Because I feel these days there's so many people who essentially lead with that, Mm -hmm. uh, SEALs. You know, and they make a name for themselves outside of the SEAL community or in the public, we'll say. Right. Because they were, you know, former Navy SEAL, so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I definitely don't lead with that. You'll never see me lead with that. Mm-hmm. You'll never see me use that. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm happy that I was brought up, I like to say, in the older, it's not really older, but the <laughs> older days of SEALs. You know, I came in in 98, and I was drilled to be a silent professional. And I think I really took that to heart. Uh-huh. And I think some of us in that era really took it to heart and lived by it lived with that that ethos essentially mm-hmm. i see nowadays i don't think people mm, i'm not being fair a majority of them are for sure but there's mm-hmm. a, a very few who are not and for me personally um that's not my style i grew up on the ranch obviously and um i did not want to be a truck driver <laughs> my parents okay. uh, owned a trucking company my brother was a truck driver wow. my dad was a truck driver that was gonna that's why the shop and that's why that okay ranch i exists. did not know that that's why everything there is what it is and i did not want to go into trucking i really didn't know what i wanted to do mm-hmm. but i was into hiking in the mountains i was into i was into gi joe and stuff like that i was mm-hmm. into the outdoors and then one day um i went with my girlfriend from high school to see the rock mm-hmm. with sean connery and um nicholas cage mm-hmm. And I was watching the movie, and there was the scene when the seals, they come out from under, the, the, under um, in the drain into mm-hmm. the bathroom, and then the Marines shoot them, and they all die. And it was a really epic, dramatic scene. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that was really cool. And even though those guys got, you know, shot up, essentially, I'm like, they looked, they, like, that was all cool about what they did. And I'm right. like, I need to look into that some more. So I started reading all the books, Dick mm-hmm. Marcinko books, all the books from that time that were around mm-hmm. on Navy SEALs, watching all the DVDs. And I just immersed myself in what they were. And everything I kept coming back to at the time was how they go through the most difficult training and they're the most highly trained individuals. Mm-hmm. And at that point, highly trained individuals in the military, mm-hmm. special forces, I, um, a seed was planted and it was this simple seed can I do that mm-hmm. and I was like can I do that and once that seed was planted it was just done mm-hmm. there was no way I wasn't going to do it because I needed to know if I could do that and you know I played sports in uh, in high school mm-hmm. I got I didn't make the basketball team I tried out I got cut that was disappointing <laughs> I was on the football team for okay. a few years never started started one game okay and then I uh, didn't start again I was a backup wide receiver so I was not a star athlete I didn't run at all. I wish I would have because once I decided I wanted to be a SEAL and Mm -hmm. see if I could do that, I started running a lot. And and it turns out I was a pretty good runner. And Mm -hmm. so I wish I would have ran in high school. I didn't swim at all. Mm -hmm. So swimming, I started swimming to prepare for um, BUDS. I went to college and uh, my parents really wanted me to go to college. I went Mm -hmm. to California State University, Monterey Bay in Monterey. And, but the seed was already planned for the other thing. And mm-hmm. my parents were like, you have to go to college. That's what you're right. going to do. That's what you said you were going to do. I'm like, you're right. You're right. After a month, I came up. I thought, um, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. I knew if I didn't 
if I didn't, I wasn't going to go through college for four years and still want to be a Navy SEAL. Right. Something would change. Then you're so going to feel like you things. have to use your degree or you know, do so something. So many things. Yeah. My a family. There's just a yeah. thousand things that can happen. So that that notion of if I don't do it now, I might not ever do it has actually played out throughout my life and other decisions or other mm-hmm. things that you know. Um, it's been something that I always fall back on. So I decided, hey, I'm going to drop out of school mm-hmm. and I'm going to try this. I need to know if I can do it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I dropped out of college, enlisted in the Navy, and then in February 10th of uh, 97, shipped off to boot camp. And it was a trip. Yeah. It, was a, it was a crazy experience. Went to boot camp. At that point, um, and at boot camp, you try out for BUDS then. Mm-hmm. You do a little uh, PT test, did the test, passed it. Then you go to a vocational school, which was in Pensacola, Florida, mm-hmm. do another test, passed it, and then I went to BUDS. And basically within about a year of enlisting, I was at a SEAL team. And so I was very young. That seems fast. Is that typical? It was pretty fast. I didn't get, so when I went to BUDS, I didn't get rolled. I didn't get dropped. And a lot of people get rolled or dropped Mm -hmm. for various reasons, Mm -hmm. injuries, um, performance. And I was very fortunate that I was able to make it through in one push. Mm -hmm. And I was the middleman. And I've always been that way, maybe not now in CrossFit, but (laughs) where I'm just the dark man. And when I get into environments, Mm -hmm. I'm just like the tests especially yeah I don't try to shine I don't try to get out in front of everyone I just do my thing right I've had multiple phases in my seal career had multiple phases where I had um, different schools or different tests uh, testing environments Mm -hmm. or different selection processes Mm -hmm. where I went through and I would always just stayed that middleman didn't Mm -hmm. didn't try to make a name for myself beyond what I needed to do just and didn't try to suck at anything either right so I went to uh, a seal team you know, within a year, and I was 19 at the time. Wow. And people, uh, you have to realize about me, you know, I'm 38 now. Mm-hmm. For the past 10 years, I've been working for CrossFit. My entire 30s, I've been working for CrossFit. My entire 20s, I was in the SEAL teams. I was a Navy SEAL, and that is not an easy community or an easy environment to be in. Right. So people think, what they think of me or my attitude or how I handle things mm-hmm. but you have to look back and just see the foundation like I came up in a pretty I don't want to say hardcore environment but I think that yeah I, I will think say that's, it. Pretty <laughs> that's a pretty accurate, fair yeah. and so that th- that time period for me is really formative of who I am and how I do things now mm-hmm. and you know if I wouldn't have, if Greg Glassman wouldn't have given me this opportunity and job with CrossFit, I still would be in the Navy right now. I'd be getting ready to probably retire in a couple mm-hmm. years, at 20 years. And, mm-hmm. um, but, so I had an amazing experience. I did some amazing things, met amazing people, people I still have friends. And it is the reason I am who I am now. Uh, and it's something I'll never, um, I'll never take for granted. Sure, absolutely. It's, it's very important to me. But, you know, for the good and the bad, it is, it is the reasons or who I am. Mm-hmm. And what about some, in the video too, you talk about some of the things that you learned or some of the things that you carry over from that experience into CrossFit, but what are what are some of the lessons you learned or some of the ways that you approach CrossFit that you established? Well, I don't, um, I don't think, I don't, I don't like to think that things aren't possible or I don't like to think that, mm-hmm. I don't like to, uh, I like to believe we as a team can push further yeah. than we as a team think we're capable of doing. And so I hold very high expectations mm-hmm. for everyone who works with me or for me. Mm-hmm. I, I hold everyone to high standards. And that's something I got from that community because we're, we are the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And some, sometimes it's hard on people. Sometimes the, the, uh, the demand on people to be better than mm-hmm. they are 
is uh, too much for them. Mm -hmm. And others rise to the occasion, some don't. As a leader, you kind of have to learn to adjust to different styles of people. Some people, some people I can be, give very little guidance to, and then they're going to run with it and do everything I want them to do. Mm -hmm. Others, you have to give them more guidance, otherwise they're not going to do as well as you think they will. Mm -hmm. And so for me, uh, leaving that community, coming into this community, I've had to deal more with that, just learning people's styles, right. whereas in the teams, everyone was a go-getter pretty much and everyone you know tried very hard to excel mm -hmm. and um so also obviously 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 is the organizational skills just right. making everything run to a time and that's all from that community mm -hmm. chain of command and just being very you know um, disciplined like that that all came from there mm -hmm. probably the biggest thing though and it's the it's thinking outside of the box mm. in that community you have to think outside of the box mm -hmm. and you have to do things in a non-traditional way. We don't do things, we didn't do things like the traditional military and there's right. a reason why. So when I come into some, where, I've, where I've been here, applying that to, to how I lead, how I do things, how I program, how I run events, mm -hmm. always thinking outside of the box, always thinking of ways, not settling for the norm, mm -hmm. not settling for the standard. And um, that's all stuff that came from back there. Mm -hmm. And I think we saw that too in the video, just the level of detail and preparation that you do for all the little, even the announcements and every little responsibility that you have, you're doing it to the 10th degree, to yep. the 100th degree. And I think that that's something that obviously in CrossFit as a whole, we talk about virtuosity in, in movement and in coaching and things like that. But you really exemplify how you do that. And every aspect of your life. One of the things when people ask what it was like being a SEAL, um, especially pre 9-11, but um, I said we trained. We mm -hmm. trained all the time. Mm -hmm. We were just, you know, we rehearsed, we would go out and practice all our drills. So everything was just practice, training, practice, training, prepping for, for what we'd have to do eventually, even mm -hmm. after 9-11 and once we were going to wars, to when you, before you deploy, you spend six months to a year, over a year preparing just for going overseas. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Preparation is a huge part of, of all of this, just preparing, rehearsing, mm -hmm. getting everything in line, uh, looking at all the, the mm -hmm. fine details. So that, that's important. Yeah, the visualization is something, too, that you always think about as an athlete visualizing. And that's something that I learned when I was younger in gymnastics. Like yep. you always practice in your head and visualize and see yourself doing it perfectly. Um, but you, I think a lot of times people don't realize that you can do that in everyday life. In everything, for anything. And for that's anything. important. And, uh, you know, I, there was, uh, I learned that when I was deployed, um, it was really important for me to visualize what we were doing. We mm -hmm. were going, you know, on target or doing things. It, it would calm me down. It would get me set for mm -hmm. going into this chaotic environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'd get on a helicopter and you'd fly, you'd be flying to a target essentially, and you'd have a lot of time to think. Mm -hmm. And you can think some really negative thoughts. You can think about things going very bad, mm -hmm. especially in a helicopter, because a helicopter for me was the worst place, because uh, that's where you're gonna die. And I don't say that lightly. I mean that, yeah. you know, as a, I've lost a lot of friends in helicopters, getting shot down. In a helicopter, you're so exposed to, to the enemy and mm -hmm. exposed, you're at, you have no control over what's gonna happen. When you're out of the helicopter, going through a street or doing your thing, you can make a decision. It might get you killed. You might make the wrong decision that can get you killed, but you have control of, of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, in a helicopter, that's all gone. So, so those are a lot of times to think and reflect. And you, you can think of negative things like that happening, or mm -hmm. you can think of what's going to happen on your target and just rehearse and go over. I eventually, uh, towards the later period of my career as a SEAL, became an instructor mm -hmm. and taught um, tactics. And 
I would tell the students, hey, you know, again, you have limited reps inside the house, going through the house and doing the stuff you need to do. Mm -hmm. Sit outside and think about it. And I would do that a lot when I was going through the same training. I would sit outside the house, just close, close my eyes <laughs> and uh, visualize, okay, I'm going to go do this, mm -hmm. this, this. And just, I still do that a lot for everything I do. Mm -hmm. Even working out, I visualize the workout, sure. but it always doesn't turn out that way. <laughs> and uh, But it probably turns out better than better. if you hadn't. I, I think what it helps me do is expect what's going to happen. I just right. know, okay, I'm probably going to start fatiguing here, gassing mm -hmm. here, put down here. It just, and But that's not the only place you do that. As you mentioned, every part of your life, you should visualize. Having a conversation with... Mm -hmm. um, a business associate. You mm -hmm. should visualize how that's going to go, and you should think how how they're going to respond. You know, you need to you need to play chess. I don't mean physically. I mean I don't mean literally, but mm -hmm. I mean be a chess player in in everything with life. And visualizing helps that. Right. It's so amazing how powerful that is, and just laying down the pattern of what's possible, and then like you said, also the belief of believing that something is possible that maybe other people don't and and how important that is for making it happen and yeah. it's something i mean we see it like like they say sports teaches you about life you see it as an athlete like you have to believe that you can win if you're going to even come close for sure and that's a you know a big thing that i learned over my career but also um like visualizing just day to day and seeing whether you're in training or whether you're in competition or whether you're in doing anything else in your life for sure um, can you just talk briefly about the transition then and how you got into CrossFit and what drew you into this role and what drives you to to do so well at it now? The, um, in 97, 96, 97, I was stationed out in Monterey for mm -hmm. Defense Language Institute. At the time, I'd already been doing CrossFit for about a year. Mm -hmm. And so um, while I was in Monterey, I knew that the headquarters was in Santa Cruz. And so I started making trips over to Santa Cruz, working with Greg Glassman mm -hmm. and uh, that whole team, training with them. And eventually, um, they, Greg offered me a job, uh, very informal, helping mm -hmm. out at seminars. And I started helping out at seminars and doing, um, never saying no to anything he offered. Anytime he said, hey, do you want to go here for a mm -hmm. seminar? Yes. And I learned th that's an important lesson, too, is just I learned that from the teams. Yeah. It's just volunteer for everything. Put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to f fail. If you want to succeed at something or get somewhere mm -hmm. in, in your work or in your job place, put your hand up for any task that comes up, even if it's cleaning the bathrooms, taking out the trash. Right. Always be a go-getter. And so when Greg started presenting me with opportunities, I never said no. And I watched a lot of people in CrossFit come and go because they started saying no or they just didn't want to commit. And uh, 10 years later, you know, here here it is and it's pretty big pretty important and I think I saw other people come and go that might have had the same opportunity but didn't take advantage of it mm -hmm. but what a lot of people don't realize is from 2007 to 2010 I was doing both I was working for CrossFit full-time and active duty in the military the 2009 games mm -hmm. I was deployed to Afghanistan and I was planning the games and seminar uh, uh, seminars mm -hmm. and scheduling and staffing from Afghanistan wow. and uh, yeah I kept that quiet but I did that <laughs> for a couple months so then in 2010 and by 2010 you think about 2010 I mean the games are already getting pretty big at the Home Depot Center yeah, yeah. Cross was already big I was still in the military at that time Wow. 2010 I decided to get out mm -hmm. and uh, I did a deployment in 2009 so from 2007 2010 I was in sh an instructor at BUDS mm -hmm. and uh, I, I knew I had a feeling I was going to get out in 2010 mm -hmm. and because uh, how well CrossFit was going and, and how well the opportunity was for me. Mm -hmm. But in 2009, I called up my old team leader and I said, hey, do you think I can come back and do a deployment with you guys? Mm -hmm. And just uh, I, in myself, it was another one of those, I, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. 
I ne knew I needed to deploy one more time, mm -hmm. and I needed to do that before I got out and committed to CrossFit for so many reasons. And mm -hmm. so I, uh, I deployed in 2009 for a couple months and just um, went to Afghanistan with one of my old units. And um, it was important in helping me understand that I was ready to let that go. Mm -hmm. I was ready to move on and get out and dedicate my life to CrossFit mm -hmm. because I knew if I stayed in, mm -hmm. I would have to go back to that same unit and deploy and do the same things by my own desire. I couldn't stay in the teams and do, um, let's call it take shore duty, what guys call it, and mm -hmm. just kind of, I don't want to say hide out, but not deploy. Right. I need, if I was going to be in, I was going to be all in. And um, that deployment in 09 helped me figure out it was time to step away and just dedicate myself to CrossFit. Mm -hmm. And so I did that, and that was... Uh, you know, I miss the teams. I miss what I did, but I'm also very happy with what I do now mm -hmm. and the direction it's gone. And, you know, um, just the desire for everything to be as good as I can possibly make it mm -hmm. and to make all of those around me and involved um, feel the same way, feel like they've accomplished something, feel like they're putting out a great product, feel mm -hmm. like they're part of an amazing team. Those are the things that drive me. When I look around mm -hmm. this event, there's hundreds of volunteers mm -hmm. and every one of them having an amazing experience yeah every one of them feeling that they're part of a team every mm -hmm. one of them feeling like they are making this happen because they are mm -hmm. that matters to me and that's important to me and that's what keeps me going that's what keeps me um, happy that's what drives me to make things better mm -hmm. it'll never be good enough in my eyes but I'm always trying to make it as good yeah, as it could possibly yeah. be yep amazing well, I want to finish with three questions I ask everyone. Okay. So the first one is three things that you do on a regular basis that you think have the biggest positive impact on your health. Okay. Um, I cut refined carbohydrates uh, significantly nice. from my diet. <laughs> I've seen, uh, you know, um, my dad has diabetes and he's lost multiple limbs now because of his lifestyle. My mom died a few years ago and uh, that was because of her lifestyle and her eating choices mm -hmm. and how chronic disease um, tore her life apart and mm -hmm. so I know what it can do to people and obviously from the training aspect of CrossFit I uh, I know how important it is the longevity and, and uh, what it means to the future of uh, um, individuals and whole nations essentially mm -hmm. and on a side note that's the that's the power of CrossFit is the fact that um, you know you're gonna go into a gym and you're gonna start training and you're gonna get fit and you're gonna mm -hmm. change your life in that way but learning all the healthy habits learning how to eat and then here's the real power. You learn that for yourself, but then you start spreading that to your family. Yeah. Even if your family and friends don't start crossfitting, mm -hmm. you start educating people on how to eat right. And that, um, that helps change, uh, change families, change communities, because we need to change. We need to change how people currently eat. It's true. I was on the airplane and I was sitting next to this lady who was, uh, when I was flying to Dallas, mm -hmm. who was overweight and, um, I was looking at her eat, and she was eating, you know, she had bagel and biscuit and orange juice, and then yeah. she asked for more orange juice, and I was like, man, you are just like, you're eating, you're going to kill yourself, and you're yeah. just eating to put yourself in an early grave, and I, I felt like I wanted to say something to her, but you know. It's yeah. It's too hard. It's, it's too hard. You don't, you don't approach people with it. You don't open with that stuff. Right. It's like religion, so people get very... You don't want to push people away too early, but... Exactly, and so... Um, the eating right, training, training is an important habit or important thing I do for myself to mm -hmm. stay um, healthy, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then keeping my mind just going, keeping my mind fresh. Reading has helped a lot with that. Going mm -hmm. to theater has helped a lot with that. And just, you know, doing stuff like that. Yeah. Always looking at things that 
challenge me or I'm not really into, but trying to get outside of my box. Mm -hmm. that, that's very important to me is challenging myself and staying um, in this simple mold. Mm -hmm. And I do that. I challenge myself in all in various ways. You think I really want to wear Versace on an open <laughs> announcement and do muscle-ups? But no, I'm like, hey, I'm in Italy. I'm in Italy. Let me try this. Let me try something different. Right. And uh, so I'm constantly challenging myself. And you know what? You'll, I get cr criticized for it. But, you know, I don't care. I don't listen you to the critics. put yourself out there. Yeah, I put I myself yeah. out there. I remember a couple of years ago we were at an event and you played – you decided to play chess against <laughs> or checkers or something against no, like chess. a professional yeah, a grand chess, master. yeah a grandmaster and yeah. you're like I'm just gonna go for it you know yeah, same thing I'm not afraid to put myself out right. there and, and you know what I'm not afraid of uh, what comes from that because if you're afraid of that sort of stuff you're not gonna you're not gonna su succeed or be successful you right. need to you need to put yourself out there absolutely do you have a favorite book or favorite play well you know geez um, this year yeah. I'm gonna talk about books I've recently read I read The Grapes of Wrath. and oh, uh, I could never get through that. I tried to read it in high school. The ending blew me away. The <laughs> really? ending blew me away. And I was like, wow, that, that was an amazing book. Then I read East of Eden and uh, followed it up to Steinbeck. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, man, the characters are so, uh, they're so amazing. They're, they're developed. And it's just the way he developed the characters and went through uh -huh. them and, and put them out. I just really appreciated East of Eden. I think I enjoyed the ending more of Grapes of Wrath. Mm -hmm. And now... Um, I'm reading uh, Victor Hugo, Les Miserables, and mm -hmm. uh, have you seen the? No, I haven't. No? I will after I read the okay. book. That book's blowing oh. me away. I really enjoy his character development, his ca how mm -hmm. he's telling the story, how it. I'm just, I'm, I'm not. I mean, it's 1,400 pages. I'm about 800 pages through right now, mm -hmm. and it's crazy how he he's just kept me like in the book and involved, and so. Those, uh, I'm just talking recent books because those are what I read yeah. recently, but those books, those three, I've read about six or seven books this year, but those three were very powerful and have been very powerful. Uh, and they will be on my oh. top list of favorite books for a while. Wow, very nice. How about two th or one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you just can't get it into your routine? Um, one thing that would have a big impact into my health, but I just can't get it. Oh, yeah, probably not drinking. And I don't drink a <laughs> lot. <laughs> I don't drink a lot, but I do drink. And, I, like, yeah, I think if I cut that out entirely, it would be better for me. Um, I, I don't want to say cheat, but I eat sweets more, like, once a week. If mm -hmm. I cut that out, um, stuff like that could help. If I was more disciplined in my training, too. But that's mm -hmm. not a really health thing. That's a performance thing. Right. Um, but I'm pretty happy overall with, with how I, I don't. Mm -hmm. smoke or do anything like that that's good <laughs> yeah, that's so, good to know yeah. <laughs> how do you differentiate that between when you said a health thing versus a performance thing well that's think there's huge a difference? there's a huge difference because yeah. you know some of these people are training for performance and to excel at this yeah. and uh and they put their body through a lot and then there's just training for health and just living a, nat mm -hmm. a fun lifestyle i mean some of these people are stressed you know yeah. you stress so hard training <laughs> to go there it's training to be the best out there on the floor yeah and uh that, I, that, yeah. that, that's different than training for health. I agree. It's very different, and I've realized that this year. It's much more fun to train for health. <laughs> Last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you? A healthy life looks like uh, having habit, staying away from uh, food that's going to, um, you know, mess you up in the long term, give mm -hmm. you chronic disease, staying away from the refined sugar mm -hmm. or refined carbohydrates, staying away from sugar, exercising, keeping your mind, exercising your mind too. And again, having a habit, having a routine that's uh, productive and keeps you fresh, keeps your mind fresh and doesn't, um, doesn't have any 
you don't want anything distractions that are that are m- making you negative keeping you down mm-hmm. keeping you um in a bad place so i think a ha- happy lifestyle is physically mentally and it's uh it's just it's keeping it's keeping everything going keeping everything mm-hmm. stimulated stimulate your mind stimulate your body with making right decisions mm-hmm. in the food awesome well thank you so much for sitting down with me thanks, thanks looking for forward me. to seeing how the rest of the season plays good out luck here. in two weeks thank you <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. I always enjoy talking with Dave and learn a lot from him. And I hope you were able to see another side of the man behind the CrossFit Games. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com and subscribe to my email list. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please email me at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on the podcast in future episodes. Also, if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. And I always love hearing your feedback, so please leave comments under this post on my website and share your thoughts on social media using hashtag JFHealth. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. (music) 